Thanks for listening to today's message. We hope that it will encourage you and help you live out your faith in everyday life. Make sure to download our church app by typing Comox Pentecostal into Google Play or the App Store to enjoy more podcasts, Bible resources, giving options, and more. God, thank you for today. Thank you that we get to be here together on a Sunday morning, that we are freely able to enter this property and building that you've blessed us with, and we get to worship you, God, and put you at the focus and make you number one. We're thankful that we don't actually have to come to this building to meet you, Jesus, because you are with us no matter where we go, and your presence is alive in this room right now, Jesus. So we thank you for being here. We thank you for welcoming us in your space, God, and we just give this morning to you. Amen. I always look forward to that bumper video. It's probably been maybe my favorite one since we started here. I just love seeing the funny photos. I look forward to it every week. Now, as I was, as I was thinking about preaching this Sunday, I was thinking about the nerves that were bubbling up in my stomach again. Now, every single Wednesday, I preach to the teenagers, but for some reason, when I come up here, I get a little nervous, and the only common factor is you guys. <laughs> so. So I don't know what you guys have said or done, but for some reason, you make me nervous. <laughs> but this week was actually the least nervous I've been to get up here so far. But I don't think that's because I'm getting more comfortable with it. I think that's because my nerves and fear were taken up by a dentist appointment on Friday. <laughs> I don't like the dentist. I gag a little bit. There was a point where I gagged and shut my mouth really fast, and I looked the dentist in the eyes. Her finger was between my closed lips. <laughs> it's just awkward and I don't like it at all, but hopefully I keep getting more comfortable. This is my fourth time now preaching on a Sunday morning, which also means that, oh, oh, thank you. That also means that I'm actually almost done my first whole year here at CPC, my first year in full-time ministry. And that is exciting because we're coming up to the end of our first school year being done in the youth ministry as well. Now, for this Sunday morning, since we're wrapping up a year of my first youth ministry here, I thought it would be fun to actually start with just updating you guys on kind of what happens and what's been going on in our youth ministry lately, because a lot of you probably actually don't really get a chance to hear about it or get updated on it. So there's a couple things I wanted to update you on. Our Wednesday nights happen every week, and that's grade 6 all the way to grade 12. <clears throat> They've been lots of fun. They've been getting better and better. And there's just been a couple awesome special moments. We've been growing lots, not just in numbers, but in students getting saved, in the way students are reacting to us and their leaders. Last Wednesday night, actually, most of you in this church know that there's a lady in our church named Kat, and she has been one of the best youth leaders. She is so amazing, and she's served our youth ministry for a long time. And this last Wednesday was actually her last youth, because she is moving to the Okanagan. And it was so special to see the way our teenagers and our church responded to that because she has been serving faithfully with the grade six to eight girls, so a pretty young group of girls. And this young group of girls felt so impacted by Kat and felt that Catherine was such an important part of their lives that all of these young girls actually showed up to youth and they all had their quarters and toonies and loonies and they put it all together and they all purchased this awesome gift basket for Catherine to thank her for what she had been doing. And they brought Catherine on stage and they made cards for her and flowers and it was super awesome. So clearly, these students are experiencing something special on Wednesday nights if they want to thank someone so sincerely like that. It's special to see happen. Just recently, we had our first ever Just Junior High event, so we only had the junior high students. 
And it was a lot of fun. We ate chicken nuggets. We played games. We taught them about Jesus. It was a lot of fun to give the junior youth their own special, safe space and environment to hang out and have a good time in. Now, for the senior students, we're not leaving them out. Once a month, we've been doing a program at our church now called Equipped, where we have some of the older students in our youth group who've shown some leadership characteristics, and, and we've been welcoming them. And we have been going through a student leadership program with them. So we've been helping disciple them and pray with them and do Bible studies with them. So that is just another fun thing that we've been doing lately. Now, <clears throat> there's always a couple things you can point to to figure out if you're doing good in a ministry or if things are going well. But I think something happening this week is a great sign that things are going good because this Wednesday night at Point Homes, <clears throat> we are going to be baptizing more teenagers in the ocean because we have teenagers in our church who've clearly had an impact um, through our church, through their family, and Jesus is working in their lives. So we're going to be baptizing students at Point Homes this Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. It is a youth event, but it's a public beach, and who doesn't want to see young people get baptized? So it's this Wednesday at Point Homes at 6.30 p.m. And there's a pretty awesome and special story tied to one of these baptisms that's happening on Wednesday that we're going to talk about later in today's message. <clears throat> so I'm going to be speaking today. We're, we're, we're in this You Got a Friend in Me series. And over the next two weeks, Laura has next week, and we are going to both be talking about friendship with unbelievers. So us as Christians, how we can be loving and friends to those people that we know that don't know Jesus yet. And I think that's super important and something that's awesome to talk about because church isn't just on Sunday, it's every day of the week. And when we leave this building, we are surrounded by people who don't know the good news of Jesus yet. And we want to be able to love them, be friends with them, and share that with them. Now, everybody has different levels of comfortability when hanging out with certain people, with certain beliefs or religions. And when I was in high school, I was constantly around people who didn't believe. I was constantly around people who didn't believe in Jesus, didn't go to church, or even quite a few of them resented church and resented Jesus. And when I was in high school, I was very comfortable with my faith because I had an awesome youth group, an awesome youth pastor. I had a great core group of friends that loved Jesus as well. So I felt comfortable in that. And I was actually very comfortable and confident hanging out with other people who weren't believers, who didn't know Jesus, because that was all my friends at school. That was all my friends on my basketball team, on my sports teams. And I became pretty comfortable with the fact that I was a Christian and they weren't, and I was okay with that. And when I was in grade 11, we actually got challenged as a youth group. We all got brought to this convention center, and they had all of the student leadership teams come in. And we were challenged to go talk to our principals at our high schools and run a youth alpha program in the school, which basically meant we would play a video and we would talk about Jesus with all of our friends at school. Now, for me, even though I was pretty comfortable and confident with unbelievers, this was a scary thing, to open yourself up to something like that, where you're actually putting on a program and hoping your friends come, but also hoping your friends kind of don't come. Because <laughs> if they do come, then you actually have to do it. And so I was feeling those nerves. But luckily for me, and this is going to be a key theme of today, luckily for me is that I didn't do it alone. I had three other friends in my youth ministry who also were a part of this and went to my high school. So the four of us together decided to do this and run it. And that makes it so much easier and so much better when you have friends who are helping you. So we went to the principal and we asked and there was some pushback. So we spent time in prayer, and we had a big board meeting with the school of directors, and we had a couple other meetings, and we were finally able to actually run the Youth Alpha program, just because luckily for us, 
one of our teachers that year actually was saved by Jesus. So she went into that board meeting and fought for us, and she gave up her classroom and her time to supervise the event. And we were able to run a Youth Alpha program in that school. And I don't know if it was because my youth pastor brought pizza during the Youth Alpha videos or because things are going well, but we actually had over 100 high school students every week who didn't know Jesus coming and going through a Youth Alpha program. And about 10 to 15 of them actually joined our youth ministry after the Youth Alpha thing finished up. So this was a time where I was feeling very comfortable and I loved hanging out with unbelievers and teaching them about Jesus. So I thought in my life that it was probably time to go get some real training so I could keep doing this because I enjoyed doing it. So I went off to Bible school. I went to Summit Pacific College for four years. And when I was at Bible school, it's super awesome and super safe environment because you're surrounded by other believers who all are, have the same goal as you. But I, you actually got to be a bit careful when you're in that situation because I was living on campus. I had a job on campus. All of my classes were on campus. So I really didn't leave the school much. So I spent four years in a pretty tight, safe Christian bubble, which was great for my faith, but at the same time, a safe Christian bubble can't actually be the only thing that you have in your life, because you have to be in areas of your life where you're hanging out with unbelievers, because there's not much point of me getting trained as a pastor at Bible school if I'm not actually interacting with people who need Jesus. So I actually became a little bit less confident when I was at Bible school with unbelievers. So you have to make sure that you're surrounding yourself with people who don't know Jesus so you can be an impact on their lives. But that's not to diminish the safe Christian space because you need that as well. You need a safe Christian group of people that you can um, talk with and feel confident with. Now, I think that there are four stages in the life of a Christian. We have the first stage, which would be curious. This is when your friends, you know, people start asking questions. You can tell that something has piqued their interest when, even if it's like a, do you go to church or something like that? Clearly something is happening in their mind that has made them be curious or think critically about faith or life. The stage after curious would be their salvation moment. Maybe you've led them there, maybe you've walked with them there and they've had an interaction with Jesus, they've met Jesus, they've felt his love, and they have that salvation moment. <laughs> The next, stage after, the next stage after being saved would be discipled. So you have somebody who's been curious, they've asked questions, now they've had an awesome salvation moment where they've given their lives to Jesus. But as any of you know, if there's any new Christians here or if you became a Christian when you were older, you know that when you become a Christian, when you have that salvation, there's still a lot to learn and a lot to know and a lot to grow in. You don't just understand it all right away, and none of us do. So you need to be discipled by somebody older than you or a mentor or a friend of yours who is helping you and walking with you on your journey in your faith. Now the goal is that if you've been discipled for a while and you've had a friend walking with you in your faith journey, that eventually you'll be able to get to the point where now you can disciple other people. So you leave that discipled stage and you go to the discipleship stage where now you may be the mentor or friend or volunteer who is helping somebody on their faith journey. <clears throat> now, most Christians, a very high percentage of Christians make it to that discipled stage, the third stage, and they actually never move past it. And it is human nature to stay there, right? You get curious, it's all new to you, you, you get saved by Jesus, you have a special moment, and then you're being discipled by people and they're helping you and they're walking with you, and that seems pretty comfortable. You know that you have Jesus in your life, you have people helping you, and it can be a little bit uncomfortable to move into that next stage where you're now helping other people and walking with other people. And it can be uncomfortable because a big part of that next stage 
a big part of the discipleship stage is relationship and friendship with unbelievers or new Christians who you've helped get there. And that can be uncomfortable for a lot of us, especially if you live in a Christian home and you go to church and you go to youth or wherever you go to, and you might not even interact that all often with people who don't believe or oppose what you believe. Now, next week, Laura is going to be preaching on the deep and intentional friendship and relationships with unbelievers. But today, I'm going to be focusing a little bit more on how we as believers can be friendly and loving and start to build relationships with people who don't believe in Jesus. How we can meet people and start our relationships so that you can be in a deep and intentional place, which Laura is going to talk about next week. An important thing to note when we're talking about how to interact and how to become friends with unbelievers, I think step one is humbling ourselves as Christians. I think at many points in our Christian life, without even knowing, without even consciously doing it, we almost put ourselves on a bit of a pedestal compared to other people who don't believe. Whether we think it's because our morals are right, whether, whatever it is, whether it's because we think that we have God on our side, we put ourselves a little bit above everybody else. But it's important to remember that we are all God's children. We are all humans on this earth. And, and when we're, our goal is to become Jesus, we're all not doing that great. And that's just the reality. I think about it like this. This is a great illustration that a pastor that I know has shown me before. So picture LeBron James on the stage with me right now. If me and LeBron James are on this stage together and there's a 10-foot basketball hoop here, he's jumping a lot higher to that 10-foot basketball hoop than I am probably. Unless someone thinks here that I can jump higher than LeBron and I'll thank you after, but I can't jump higher than LeBron James. And if we're both jumping to this 10-foot hoop, I'm going to look like I'm not even leaving the ground. It's going to look like I have cement shoes on. But the thing is, is we as Christians are not trying to jump to a 10-foot hoop. A 10-foot hoop might be a pastor or a leader or a mentor in your life that you're trying to get close to. But in the Christian life, we're actually trying to get close to Jesus. We're trying to live our lives the way Jesus did. So if we're living a life the way Jesus did, we're not trying to jump to a 10-foot hoop. We're probably trying to jump more to the moon, right? That's probably more realistic or on par with what trying to be like Jesus would be. Now, if me and LeBron James are both on this stage jumping to the moon, we both suck at it. And we're both pretty much the same down here on the stage, not even close to the moon. So you have to think about it like that almost when you're talking about your friends who don't know Jesus yet. We're all trying to be like Jesus, so you and them aren't really all that different. You're all on the same journey. You might be a little bit farther along, but you guys are all on the same playing field as Christians and unbelievers. It's not Christians and unbelievers, it's just the children of God. When we think about all of us on the same journey, it's easier to start those relationships. And something that I'm going to propose to you today is actually a big key in starting a relationship. And I think the best way to befriend unbelievers is to actually feel no need at all at first to even know whether they are a believer or not. And that seems pretty contradictory or silly because how can you be a good friend to an unbeliever if you have no idea if they're an unbeliever or not? But I think that's the key, is that we just have to be good friends to people. We actually just have to love people. We can't think of believers or unbelievers as a project for us to, to act a certain way, to try to convert them to faith, but you actually just have to love people first. Now, there's always people in this room right now who are probably trying to think of someone who's an unbeliever or try to think of a friend that they can talk to or help or who do I interact with in my daily life, but something that you can start doing today is actually something super awesome is every day when you wake up, you can simply pray to God and you can ask God, to give you an interaction for the day, to put a person in your life today. 
that maybe doesn't know Jesus, maybe isn't, but just put somebody in your life that you can show love to, that you can be kind to. Just say, God, send me somebody today. And when you feel like that person has been sent your way, act in obedience and just be kind to them and love them. And maybe a chance to talk about Jesus or faith will open up. But you shouldn't base how you're going to act first on whether they are a believer or not. That comes after. The way you treat them or act shouldn't depend on how far they are along their journey because that's how we think about it. It's not Christian and unchristian. It's children of God all on the same journey. You just might be a little bit farther along. Believers and unbelievers are not like sports teams. You don't have to wait to find out what side somebody is on before you start acting nice to them or hanging out with them or, or cheer on a team with them or whatever it is. You actually just be friendly with them first and figure that stuff out later. I almost think about it like this. We don't want Christians and non-Christians to be kind of like what it was during COVID when you felt like you had to figure out what, pers- what side of the coin someone was on before you decide if you can be friendly with them or not. We have all been created by God, so if there are other people who don't know this, they're not actually in opposition against you, but they're your teammates who maybe have fallen down a little bit, or they're your teammates who are lacking a little bit, and when you're a good teammate, you don't just keep walking and leave them behind you, but you actually pick them up and you help them walk with you on the same journey. And it also helps down the line, because if you have somebody in your life who's an unbeliever or doesn't know Jesus, and if you've been kind to them, and if you've been loving to them, and if you've helped them and had a real relationship with them, Maybe down the line, if you figure out that they don't have faith and you try to have that conversation with them, they're going to take you a little bit more serious if you've been loving and kind to them and have a relationship with them. They're going to want to listen to you a little bit more because they know who you are and they know how you've treated them. One of my favorite stories from the Bible actually, I think, shows how Jesus would act in one of these situations. So we're going to be reading a little bit of a Bible story here from Luke chapter 19, And the first verses are three to four, and it says that he wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was so short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree since Jesus was coming that way. Do any short people relate to that verse right there? I see a couple of hands, especially if you're down here on the bottom. At least the top, you have some elevation over the front row. If you're down here at the bottom, Wyatt's got his hand up right now, and Wyatt relates to that. So who are we talking about here? We're talking about a man named Zacchaeus, and Zacchaeus was a tax collector. Basically what that meant is that nobody liked him. Nobody liked the tax collectors back in the day. They weren't great people. And as I was thinking about this, I started to think about, I wonder wonder what profession that is today. And then I was like, I probably shouldn't start throwing any options out there because I'm going to hurt someone's feeling. Um, Not related at all. Is there any dentists here? (laughs) Just... Just a curiosity of mine. <clears throat> Love you too, Mallory. Mallory works in a dentist's office, and it's her birthday today. So I want to say happy birthday to Mallory. I don't hate the dentist as much as I used to because I had no cavities last week, so I like them a little bit more now. But what, so what we see there in that verse is that even though people think Zacchaeus is this sinner and he's a bad guy, he's clearly showing a real interest in Jesus. And that kind of tells us what Jesus was back in the day, that this guy who has no interest in Jesus, for some reason, he knows he's coming, and he has to see him so badly that he's willing to run and sprint ahead of the crowd and actually climb and get up into a tree just so he can lay his eyes on Jesus. Now, I'm sure there's people all over the world that have that kind of interest. They don't know Jesus, they're not sure what's going on, but for some reason, because it's Jesus, they have an interest in him. 
And when you know somebody who has an interest in Jesus, please help them. Please show them Jesus. Please show him the way. Now Zacchaeus has a clear interest in Jesus that he actually climbs up to see him. And now when Jesus reached the spot, they were walking down the road, and when Jesus reached the spot where Zacchaeus was in the tree, he actually looked up to him and he said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Zacchaeus came down and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this, they began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. I think Jesus is fully aware of what's going on around him. I think Jesus was fully aware that people think Zacchaeus is this bad guy, that they think he's a sinner, that nobody's been kind to him or loving to him. So I think Jesus calls out Zacchaeus in front of everybody and asks him to hang out to almost teach everybody else around them a lesson. Because you even see there that people began to mutter, he's going to go be a guest at the house of a sinner? That's what everybody else thought about them. And everybody else was the believers at the time. So it's kind of like what I was talking about. All the believers at the time thought they were so elevated above Zacchaeus, who was a sinner, that they couldn't even believe that Jesus was going to go have dinner with them. But that seems silly to us, of course, because if we have friends who are unbelievers, we would be so thankful and excited if Jesus were to hang out with them. I think Jesus was teaching them a lesson. I think about this almost like I think about a youth sometimes. If I'm trying to pick a student for a game or a prize or whatever it is, and all of them are jumping up and down, going crazy, yelling, I'm probably going to pick the one person who's sitting respectfully with their hand up all nice, because it almost teaches a lesson to the other students in the room. At least that's the goal at times. I think that's what Jesus was doing a little bit. Now, there's a story from my high school with three friends that kind of relate to the Zacchaeus story, so we're going to go through it at the same time we're talking about Zacchaeus. So the youth group I went to growing up, I got a great youth pastor at one point, but before I had a great youth pastor, we actually just had parents volunteering and whoever could fill in the role because we didn't have a youth pastor at our church. And because we had parents volunteering, and it was a very churchy, small group, if new people showed up, especially new people that weren't believers, it got kind of awkward in the room. You could almost feel the tension a little bit because people were thinking about the words they use, like, oh, am I sounding too churchy? This is a little uncomfortable for us. New people here. But I was kind of, I've always been a bit of an oblivious guy. I don't really pick up on things like that. So I invited three friends who were unbelievers, very foul-mouthed, just not the kind of people that these people were comfortable hanging out with. But I invited them to church. Now, shortly after that, my youth pastor showed up and he took the job. And my youth pastor did an incredible job of making them feel comfortable in an environment that maybe they weren't super comfortable in before. Now, in Luke 19, verse 8, it says, Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Verse 9 to 10. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Zacchaeus is in the presence of Jesus, and what does he do? He repents first, and then he is saved after. When you get to experience the presence of Jesus, you have no other option, no other desire in your heart than to repent and be saved by him. My, my three friends who came to youth were saved after two months of youth ministry. They fell in love with Jesus there. I watched all three of my non-Christian friends give their lives to Jesus. I helped baptize two of them. One of them joined the worship team. One of them led a breakout session at our youth camp that summer. 
It was very special to see friends who didn't know Jesus get to know Jesus and fall in love with him. It was incredible. Now, what I love so much about that last scripture that we read is that Jesus says, salvation came to this house because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. I want to focus on that wording right there, that he says, this man, too. Because everybody else around him had labeled him a sinner and a bad guy and wanted nothing to do with them. But through Jesus' eyes, he's saying, this man, too, is the son of Abraham, which basically means he's saying, this man is one of you guys. All of them wanted to put themselves above Zacchaeus because he was a sinner, but Jesus was saying, you guys are all my children. You guys are all the same. You guys are all loved by me, so I'm going to show love to all of you. He, too, was a son of Abraham. And it's helpful to think about that because there's people in our lives that we probably think of bad people or sinners or messed up people that we don't want much to do with. But Jesus says they, too, are a son of God. They, too, are a daughter of God, and we can't, we can't reject them because Jesus doesn't. If we feel like we can reject them, then we probably don't deserve it either. Those who are sinners are struggling, but they are children of God too, and we have to show them love of Jesus through our actions and our words. An important thing to remember is that we are still on the same playing field with all of those people. It is our job to love and help guide them into a life with Jesus. Now, if you make friends with somebody, and over time you find out that they have no interest in faith, They've told you it's never going to happen. They have no interest. You don't just give up on those people and stop being kind and loving towards them. Our job is to love people and be kind to people. So if they're not showing interest in faith, they're not our projects and we didn't fail on them, but they're just people and we have to keep loving them. So if they have no interest, keep loving them and keep praying for them. Now, if you have a friend who's been in the Christian faith and has left the faith, you don't just accept that loss and move on and you're done with them. Your teammate has fallen down a little bit, but you have to help them up. You have to keep loving them. You have to keep being a friend to them. Be in their life. Those three friends that I talked about from high school, about two years later, they all started to experiment with different things in high school, and all three of them actually left the church and left the faith after two years of what happened to them. Now, did I stop loving and being friends with them? For a little bit in high school, I actually did. I didn't quite know how to deal with it, or I didn't quite know what to do. I was pretty uncomfortable hanging out with the three of them after that. And that's not the way to go about things. And I'm so lucky that just recently, over the Christmas break, and over the last couple months, I've actually reconnected with all three of them. And I've had great phone calls and great conversations with them. And one of them has come back to Jesus fully. And we're going to keep praying and keep hoping that all three of them will come back to Jesus. Because I was there when they all accepted Jesus into their heart. And you can't really run away from something that's inside of you, right? Jesus is with them, and he is following them, just like he is following everybody we know who's accepted Jesus in their heart before. God has taken care of them, and we can trust God with the people in our lives. That's also something that's super awesome. It's nice that we can have confidence and trust that God is taking care of people, and we can just give it to God and trust in prayer. I want to talk about one of our church values. One of our church values is, is called three cups of tea and six other friends. Now, the first time I heard three cups of tea and six other friends, I thought, what in the world does that mean? I'm gonna, I needed a little bit more context to that. But when I got more context to that, I started to really love the value. Because what we're valuing is that we value that we be friends to other people and help them see Jesus, but three cups of tea and six other friends is actually a practical way of doing it. So we're not just telling you to do it, but it's a real practical way to help. It says that it takes three cups of tea to form a bond or relationship with somebody. The time it takes to sit down, enjoy three cups of tea with somebody, 
And I love that that's first, because you have to get that bond and relationship first. You enjoy three cups of tea with people, and then the six other friends part. The highest percentage success rate of bringing a friend to Jesus is if you have six friends that know Jesus and are all on the same mission together, and you're all hanging out with one person who doesn't know Jesus. That is the best way to bring somebody to Jesus. So three cups of tea and six other friends. Now something to note is that it is important to surround yourself with Christian people because you can have a group of Christian friends where you strategize together and you invite other friends into that group and you can help lead people to Jesus. Now, I think that if, if six other Christian friends and one non-Christian friend is the number one way to bring somebody to Jesus, we probably have to be a little bit careful because it probably is pretty successful the opposite way around, right? If there are six people who don't believe in Jesus and are against him, maybe they can have some influence in your life. So you have to remember to keep certain Christian friends in your life around you who can help you, who you can pray with, who you can talk with. It's important to be loving around unbelievers, but it is an essential in the Christian faith to be surrounded with a safe, comfortable group of others who are believers with you, who you can talk to and hang out with and work together to bring people to Jesus. We're all on the same level. We're all messed up people who need Jesus and none of us would be okay if it wasn't for what Jesus did for us on the cross. At the beginning of the message, I talked about how on Wednesday we're going to be baptizing some youth students. And I wanted to highlight one of those students. He might be in the room, he might not be, but I wanted to highlight somebody named Evan Howard. He's a teenager in our church, and he's just doing amazing things right now. He's getting baptized on Wednesday, which is super awesome. He came to me and told me he wants to get baptized. He's, his heart is going that direction. But what I love so much about Evan is that every time he talks to me, there's more stories about how he's telling his friends at school about Jesus. Evan is living this out every single day in his life as a teenager with lots of questions. Every time he sees me, he asks questions because he wants to be able to go back to school and have some answers for his friends because he's trying so hard to lead his unbelieving friends to Jesus. Last week on Wednesday, he brought one of those friends to church for the first time and I got to join in on one of those conversations that they have every day at school. And it was super awesome to see Evan talking to this other teenager in his group, telling him about Jesus, helping lead him to Jesus, and I got to be a part of that. Evan is getting baptized this Wednesday, and that friend has felt such an impact from Evan. He said, there's no way I'm missing next Wednesday. I am going to watch and support you get baptized. And that is awesome. That is amazing that he is showing his friends Jesus, and they are now going to be able to see him get baptized. Evan is living out what we're talking about every day in his life, and we can too. It's so incredible that he's showing love of Jesus at his school and now gets to be a witness to them every day of the week, not just on Wednesdays when he invites them to church, but I know Monday through Friday he is teaching them about Jesus and loving his friends at school. Now, our church's goal and one of our, our mission statements is to bring the message and ministry of Jesus into everyday life. It's super encouraging that there are people in our church who are actively doing that. Evan is bringing the message and ministry of Jesus into everyday life. It's encouraging to see that. A great way to accomplish bringing the message and ministry of Jesus into everyday life is to treat everyone the same. Love people first. Build relationships with those people around you because the same people that you bump into every single day throughout your life where we want to bring the message and ministry of Jesus to, a way for you to do that is to just be kind, to be loving, to show the fruits of the Spirit through the way that you act. 
build relationship with people first and love them, and then they will open up to you and you will be able to figure out where they stand on their journey with faith and with Jesus. And you can help guide them and lead them to a life with Jesus. Remember how Jesus showed love to Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was one of the worst people at that time in the community. Nobody liked him. People thought he was a sinner. People thought he wasn't worthy of hanging out with Jesus. But none of us are worthy of hanging out with Jesus. But because of what Jesus did on the cross, he wants to spend time with all of us and love all of us. And he wants to welcome us all back into the kingdom. So we can do our part by bringing the message and ministry of Jesus into everyday life by loving our friends no matter what they believe. And we can help guide them and hopefully lead them to Jesus. Trust Jesus with the people that you love. Trust Jesus with the people that you love. Pray for them and constantly keep talking to them and loving them and showing kindness and just believe that Jesus will get a hold on their heart one day like Jesus has got a hold on your heart. God, thank you for today. Thank you for friendship. Thank you for community. Thank you that you don't make us do it alone. Thank you for your spirit. You are always with us. I just want to thank you so much, Jesus, for the way that you love people, the way that you showed love when you were on earth, the way that you loved Zacchaeus when nobody else would, the way that you love us like nobody else can. Jesus, we pray for your heart in our lives. May we be able to love others the way you love them. May we be able to see others the way you see them, the way you saw Zacchaeus in that tree. May we have those eyes as well, Jesus. Jesus, keep, keep bringing people into our lives who don't know you. Please keep giving us opportunities to, to share the love of you, to share your name, to show people a life with you is so much greater. But allow us to focus on love and relationship first. Help us have three cups of tea first before we bring the six friends into it. Allow us to bond with people and walk with them on a journey that hopefully leads them to you, Jesus, because we want to see our friends and family who don't know you. Show your name one day in worship and praise. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. Blessing and benediction over everyone here. As you stand, I'm going to invite our prayer ministry team to come forward right now and make themselves available up front here. Maybe Pastor Clay, if you can make yourself available to some of you. Maybe there was something in the message and you know what it's like to have some friends you're thinking about, but you just need some courage to open up in relationship. One of our prayer priorities this year is that God would give us greater courage. There are tough things we face and we need the courage of God face those things. There are opportunities to see the love and life and truth of Jesus shared into the everyday stuff of life, but sometimes it requires more courage. Maybe you want Clay or somebody here to pray with you about that. Maybe there is something difficult you need help. Earlier we asked God to be our helper. There's something you're thinking about and it would just help you so much to have somebody pray with you today. These people would love to
good? I hope you have a great long weekend, everybody. Turn to a few people who are nearby and say hello to them before you scurry off. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. listening to today's message. We hope that it encouraged you as you live out your faith in everyday life. Make sure to download our church app by typing Comox Pentecostal into Google Play or the App Store to enjoy more podcasts, Bible resources, giving options, and more.